Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Galatians, verse 1 of chapter 4. Now I say, as long as, there, as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from the slave, although he is an owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers, or the old King James says, under tutors and governors until the date that is set by the Father. So also we, while we are our children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. He said Jesus came, fulfilled the law, so we could be adopted into God's family. And remember what it says in 1 John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the, the Father has given unto us, bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. You know, we get adopted into God's family. And, it, and it's going to go on and tell us that we get to actually call God Abba Father. Now, for the Christians, not too many know Hebrew, but Abba is a Hebrew word. Abba is a, well, a very tender word. It's a, it's a very close word. It's how you call your father. We would say like daddy or, or, or the first words of a kid, dada. Like a child calling to his father, dada. Oh, he's saying you get to call him daddy Pers in a personal way. That's how much God loves you. You have been adopted into his family. Now that adoption, he says, once that's happened, you're in the family. But see, they were trying to say, now you've got to do these certain rules. Paul says, wait a minute. Let me tell you. Verse 6, he says, Because you are sons of God, God has sent forth his spirit into the spirit of his son into our hearts. And we get to cry out, Abba, Father. We get to cry out to him, My daddy. Therefore, he says, You are no longer a slave, but you are a son. And if you are a son, then you are an heir through God. Now, however, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, he says, to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. He says, I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. And I beg you, brethren, become as I am, for I have also become as you are. And you have done me no wrong, but you know that it was because of bodily illness that I first preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as, as Christ Jesus himself. Now where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and even given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy by telling you the truth? Now something has changed. And he has to talk to him and tell him, what's up that this something now has changed in a way that, that he says, uh, I tell you, what's the problem? Have I therefore, verse 16, become your enemy by telling you the truth? He says, they eagerly seek you, 
not commendably, but they wish to shut you out in order that you may seek them. But it is, it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner, and not only when I'm present with you. He says, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Or the old King James, in travail. I'm, I'm longing for that. That love of Jesus that you had when you first were born again. I want that to come back because something's happened. He says, and, and he says, I wish that I could be present with you now and I could change my tone for I am perplexed about you. He says, tell me this, verse 21. Now this is an important discourse. He's going to talk about how do you receive the spirit and the, and the things of the spirit. He says, tell me this, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? He says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman and one by a free woman. Now, the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. This is verse 24, Galatians 4, verse 24. Now, this is al allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. And now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds, this will blow some people's mind, to where? Present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above, this is, he says there's a different Jerusalem. A Jerusalem, he says, above. And the Jerusalem above, she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are in labor. For more are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him, who was born according to the Spirit, and so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free woman. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, he's talking about the story of Abraham. And Abraham was getting kind of old. God came to him and said, you're going to have a child. And changed his name from Abram to Abraham. From exalted father in Hebrew. Remember, Abba means daddy. Abram means exalted father. Ab is the same prefix that Ab in Hebrew means father. And Ram is Abram would be exalted father. But he's going to change his name. The Lord says, you're not going to be called Abram because he's called, how'd you like this name? You're, you're called Abram, which or, means exalted father, but you don't have any kids. And so the Lord goes, I'm going to change your name to, instead of from exalted father to Abraham, which is father of many nations. I'm going to, I'm going to make you multiply. And when God told him this, it says that Abraham, when God said it to him, that what did Abraham do? Believe he God. believed God. And God accounted it to him as righteousness. Now, he didn't even have any evidence. He's an old guy. His wife is old. They have no children. She's barren. But she laughed. And the Lord, by the way, the Lord got the last laugh. You know why? Because a year later it would happen that Abraham and Sarah would have a child. Prior to this, they decided to help God. He didn't happen really fast. So in the waiting period, about 13 years go by, they're like, it hasn't happened. So Sarah says, listen, 
you can go into my maidservant, Hagar, my slave, and when she gives birth, I'll catch the baby and raise it as our own. We'll help God out. Abraham, we're not getting any younger. And the Lord sent the angel again and said, no, by this time next year, you will have a child with Sarah. She's in the tent and she's laughing. And God says, okay, you wait till next year. Next year, she has a child. And God says, you shall name him Isaac. Now, Isaac means he laughs. In other words, he like as in the big guy upstairs. But see, the, the child that was born through what God calls the, the promise was Isaac. Now, the one that was born by their efforts of helping God out, he called that the efforts of the flesh or of the slave, because it was the slave girl, Hagar, that Abraham went, went into. And she had a child, Ishmael. But that boy, God didn't recognize. These two sons of Abraham. Now, remember, in the Jewish culture, is Abraham a big who's who in the Jewish culture? Yeah, he's, he's called the father of the faith. I mean, he's, he's way up there. But the father of the faith didn't always do everything operating by faith. You know, when he went into Hagar, God says that was the effort of the flesh. And so he says, there's two covenants. One that is one made according to the spirit and one according to the flesh. What was Paul's issue with the church? What were they, which one were they trying to operate in? They had gone back to the flesh, to the, to the, to the covenant. What is the, Paul says, that's, that's the old Jerusalem. That's the one that corresponds to the old Jerusalem. And that's not the new Jerusalem, what God talks about. The one he talks about, the new Jerusalem of the Spirit, of which in the new Jerusalem, we get to be part of, the, of God's children. We are adopted in. See, and they were going back to the old, let, let's, guys were saying, you should go back to the old ways, the old covenant, which was the flesh. There's no, the Bible tells us there's no law, I mean, there's no flesh that is justified by the law. No matter how many times you try to fulfill the rules, we'll fall short. And the Bible says all of us have fallen short. It says all have sinned in Romans and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us is righteous. So Jesus had to come and fulfill the righteous requirement of the law so that he could be our righteousness. And now we get to enter in by the Spirit. Now Paul's telling them that these things and they... He says, you guys are bewitched. Somebody cast a spell on you. Verse 1 of chapter 5 goes on to say, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. That's why he set us free. And he says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Isn't that interesting? Christ came to set us free. Remember what, the, what, what it says in Matthew. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He came to set us free. But why do some guys try to, like Jesus said, those Pharisees, they tie up such heavy burdens and they put them on men's shoulders and the people can't even, and the, and the religious leaders, he says, you won't even lift a pinky finger to help them. You'll just pile it on them. Here's all of the heavy burdens of the, quote, spiritual walk. That's not what Christ did. Christ said, I came to make you my child to adopt you into my family, to bring you in to the, the, you're a part of God's family now. You get to cry out, Abba, Father. When you think of a father with his son, little, a little guy, you, how many rules is he going to lay on that little guy? 
What conditions does he have? Picking up the little one and patting him and burping him and playing with him. You know, you think of a dad with a, with a little baby. How many rules he's got for this kid? There's no rules. It's relationship. It's, I, I can remember when my son was born, I was just like, yeah, my, this is my boy. And it's not, it's not based on how well he performs. At this point, it's just eat and poop, clean it up, and fall asleep, eat, poop, sleep, eat, poop. It's kind of like a repeated process over. You don't go, let's see, let's make rules. No pooping today. Only get to eat once or twice. What? what? That's not right. We're talking about a relationship between a father and a son. And Paul says, it was all made possible by the spirit of what Jesus did, what he accomplished for us. We can't make extra rules to add on to it. We can't perform extra things to somehow be think we're going to make God more pleased with us now because we're more holy because we walk a certain way according to the law, but those other guys don't. So we're better, right? You ever met people like that? They think they're better. Somehow they, they do it better and they wouldn't have impressed Paul, I'm telling you. Paul the Apostle would have said, no, nope, sorry. Doesn't re it was Christ who set us free. Now he says, keep standing firm against those that bring these yoke of slavery. Now this, Paul says, behold, I, Paul, say to you, if you receive circumcision, this is chapter 5, verse 2, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that now he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You know, if you want to do that, you're signing up for something that's, well, that's tough. He says, now, you who have been severed from Christ, you are seeking to be justified by the law, and you have fallen from grace. He says, for we through the Spirit, by faith, are awaiting, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but it is faith working through love. And you were running well, he says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? He said, this persuasion, it did not come from him who calls you. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He says, watch out. This is something that, that Paul, he saw that this is, this is creeping into the early church already. These guys were coming in and they were tying up things and I call them heavy loads and putting them on men. You've got to do these other things. And, and God didn't require that. He just said, I want, I want you to be my child. I don't know if any of you saw it, but it was a testimony of a Jewish man. And it was really interesting. It was a, it was a Jewish man who was raised in America, New, like a New York Jew, being taught that you know, he needed to grow his facial hair a certain way and he had to wear certain coverings on his head and he had to face the correct direction when he prayed to pray towards Jerusalem. He said, I was being taught all these rules and that somehow if I did all these rules, I went to church on the right day, I dressed the right way, I grew my facial hair the right way, that somehow I was going to please God and God would accept me. He said, and, and I was always taught by my grandparents never to read the New Testament because that wasn't part of our scriptures. And that part was for the Gentiles only. And we're Jews and we don't read that. And he said, it, it was kind of one of those things where you're told not to do something 
So, so you got to figure out, well, i got to do it because they say not to. He says, so I actually began reading to, to see why this book to the Gentiles was off limits to me as a Jew because I'm already practicing all the right things and praying the right direction and praying, you know, doing everything on the right days and everything. So I'm already accepted. So what's the rules for those Gentiles? See, this is a Jew telling the story, his testimony. And I open the book and it starts off with this genealogy from Abraham to David to Jesus. And he says, it's, a, it's got a Jewish genealogy as the intro. Why would you put a Jewish genealogy to Gentiles? What do they care? And so I, I read a little more. And I found out that the guy, the main character, is a Jew. There's a Jewish genealogy about a Jewish guy who goes to the Jewish people to fulfill the Jewish prophecies of the coming Messiah. He said, and it's not, it's nothing to do for the Gentiles. It's all about the... And if you read the book of Matthew, what's the most repeated line? This was, this happened in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. So the whole book of Matthew, the key that unlocks it, is this repetition of, like constantly throughout the book, and this, Jesus did this, in order that the scripture might be filled. And Jesus did this, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. And this happened, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. And, you know, and this happened, and the whole book is all about Christ fulfilling what was promised to the Jews. So the Jewish guy says, I'm reading this book, that's supposedly to a Jewish I mean, to Gentiles only, that's what my grandparents taught me. And I found out it's really to Jews. And he says, and I wound up giving my life to Jesus privately. And so he went with his father somewhere. And he told his father that, Dad, I, I know you said not to ever read that book, but I read it. And that book actually is for Jews. And he told his father that he came to faith and that Jesus, as the Mashiach, the, the Messiah, his Messiah, his Savior. And so he tells his father this. Now, this is one Jewish man telling his Jewish father that he was entrenched in them, don't read that book. So the father went and read the book. And they went somewhere and the, they were hearing someone speak. And it, it, was a, it was a gathering where the speaker was a Messianic Jew. And he said, does anyone here believe that the Jesus of the New Testament is the Messiah. And so the man giving the testimony raised his hand. And he looked over and his father raised his hand. But his father had never told him. This is how he found out. As dad raised his hand at the meeting, that he said, Dad, you know he was asking who believes in Jesus as the Messiah. He said, I know, son. I read that book too. And they both came to find out that this book what I think Gentiles kind of hang on to is like, we're, we have like, this is our book. This is for the Gentiles. No. In the book of Romans, it says salvation was first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. We can't forget our heritage here. They get, they get to line up in line too. Now, what he's trying to say is, but you receive the salvation by what? By the Spirit, by faith. When you hear this, it, the Spirit of God just comes alive in you, you're like, that's what I need, Jesus. You don't have to have a bunch of rules to get you to, the, the, the tutor does his job, tells us we're sinners, we get that. I think 
I don't really have to spend a lot of time preaching on that we're all sinners. I kind of found out most Christians already know. <laughs> you don't have to convince them. They, they, they go, yeah, we got that part done. They used to have a lot of preachers back in the early days of our country. They call them fire and brimstone preachers. They would get up there and we're all, you're all sinners, you know. You need to repent. And, and I'm not disagreeing with them, you know, on the content. We are, we're all sinners for certain. But most of the Christians I found today know that. What we need is to go to Jesus. And we need to walk by the Spirit because it's by the Spirit that we get to experience stuff. It was for freedom Christ set you free. Not to come join up with Jesus and now let's add a bunch of rules so you'll be miserable and you won't enjoy your Christian experience with Christ because you are set free. Now, does when Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans 6, he gave some insights. Did Christ set us free so we would go and sin more? Did he say, okay, I forgive you all. No, just keep sin. And I'll forgive you some more. That'll show off how much I forgive, right? No, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so grace might abound? He said, God forbid. We were set free from sin. This freedom he's talking about is a freedom from sin. We're free. We don't have to do that anymore. When I wasn't a Christian, it wasn't, when I woke up, I wonder if I'll sin today. It was, how much am I going to sin in what departments? What categories? I, I didn't ever think I could actually not sin. I knew I was going to sin. It was just, which area and how much? And the Lord, since Christ came into my life, actually showed me I can walk with him and actually walk away from temptation. He can lead me. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, Deliver us from evil. Does God do that for us as his children? How many of you can give an amen? The Lord has led you away from temptation. I mean, and the temptation could be right there. And it's, it's calling to you. And the Lord just, come along, let's go this way. And he just leads you by his spirit away from temptation. Now that is freedom. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.